0: This is the We Can Do Better podcast with Adam O'Leary. talking about Michigan's 2nd Senate District, featuring stores from Detroit, Gross Pointe, Amtramck, Harper Woods, and Highland Park, told by the people doing the work, and myself, Senator Adam O'Leary. I've got my friend Bill Welsh. Bill, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, my name is Bill Welsh. I'm uh, the branch manager for HEPICO in, uh, in Detroit.
0: Cool. And so uh, I'm really excited about you coming on. You know, we're in a very interesting times. And uh, I think people would not have expected the need for um, cleanliness and, and some of those kind of things. As, as we talk about hazardous materials, I think for the most part, people have always thought about like nuclear radiation or chemicals or things like that, but hadn't necessarily thought about the biological uh, stuff that is now so prevalent as we talk about getting back to work and, and all those kind of things. Can you just kind of... Give us an, an update or or an, kind of an explanation of what a hazard and you know what that cleanup stuff looks like. Well,
1: the uh, uh, the 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 interesting observation that, that I've had about this whole crisis has been the uh, the, the differing definitions between uh, need and 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 you know essential gets thrown around a lot, and uh, those those terms have become very important. There's there's so many ways that. Um, you know, we all knew that this was a possibility, but until it becomes real it's uh it's not something that that anyone really practically prepares for uh, our our business uh it was kind of uniquely postured for something like this due to the work that we normally do uh the bio uh biohazard cleanup was something that we already did and we already carried the the equipment and supplies for and we had the expertise for but it wasn't this. This size line of business for mm-hmm. us, so transitioning into that was very natural, and it's something that that you know was was a very beneficial for for a lot of our guys who maybe that was uh, at the beginning of things at least not the the biggest part of their skill set. Whereas mm-hmm. now we've all done so much of it that uh, it's it's become something that we are very 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 effective at. So I think uh, uh, for for. Uh, the people that that we interact with on a daily basis you you run into a couple of of reactions some people are tremendously curious obviously there's a wide range of opinions on the scope and nature of of this current health crisis so some people are very very curious others maybe even disdainful uh, and some people fearful obviously but uh for us it's it's what we do and it's the business that we conduct every day so we, we we try to execute that with professionalism and, and, and some thoughtfulness.
0: Yeah. And so can you talk a little bit about, I mean, and so just kind of to give everybody a little bit of perspective, uh, Bill and I uh, are both army reserve together. We're in the same unit uh, and we got to, you know, get to know each other there and have, and I'm really grateful that we've gotten the opportunity to kind of do some other work together, right. As the uh, coronavirus was first popping up, uh, Bill and, and his company were able to come out and do a cleanup in our neighborhood uh and it was really uh, great to see that happening so do you want to just kind of talk a little bit about how your business model you know what what that new stuff looks like right i think everybody has an idea of what cleaning up in a neighborhood looks like but very few people understand or, or see what any of those other kind of things look like. like what does it actually look like to clean up a biohazard like it's what, what's what's the difference how do people clean up at home like do you, do you need special training do you need to do things what what should people do
1: so um, it, it's interesting that the mechanism the flow of this work is 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 the same for us as as it is with any other hazardous material um, you know you have the the routes by which a hazard can get to your body is it a vapor hazard is it an ingestion hazard uh, is it a contact hazard um, and so the the process by which we mitigate those things is is unchanged, uh, and the the kind of flow of our work, the way we do our business, is some event has occurred that is outside of the normal. Whether that is a natural disaster or someone kicks over a bucket accidentally, and, and the contents of that bucket are dangerous, uh, they call us and they say, "Hey, the situation is no longer normal. We would like you to come and make it normal," uh, yeah. and that.
0: It's funny that you use the word the situation is no longer normal i think that is the caption to everyone's life is everything is no longer normal right like people are like how do i clean up at home how do i you know and i think that's the challenge is people are you know very afraid about going back to work you know there were always the people who i don't want to say were germaphobes, but were like had the hand sanitizer on their desk and every time you walk by they're like doing this but now not only is that what's recommended but that's what everyone is doing right they're like you know, running Lysol wipes all over everything, and there there are articles talking about how many times you should wipe off your keyboard or or surfaces. How do people actually do these kind of things? I, I think it, you know, if you were going to say, you know, as a regular person, these are the kind of things that you can do to make your workplace a little bit safer. As people are starting to say, "Is my workplace safe?"
1: Yeah. So we, uh, what what I would personally recommend,
0: um, and
1: you know, this is something that I, I've. Uh, been working with since I joined the army. I, yeah, I was originally a a Seaburn officer, and uh, I didn't and, realize that. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I enjoyed that. That's
0: really a pro what you're telling me.
1: been doing it a while now, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, you you've, you you can you start those considerations with the route by which that infection can can get to you. So we we've heard a lot about uh, you know respiratory droplets, and then the the proximity that those droplets can uh, affect you within and we've put barrier protection in place for a lot of people. Um, early on, people were very focused on disinfecting their their, their surfaces. And I think that's still very relevant uh, because this, this particular uh, virus has differing periods of activity on different surfaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that information is, is publicly available. So you kind of look at where are your exposure points. You go out into your community, you, you conduct vital, uh, tasks, get groceries, get fuel, things like that. Those are, those are your con- contact points with things you cannot control. So you, you wash your hands after you use the gas pump. Uh, you wear gloves and throw away your, tra- your, your grocery bags. Uh, and then you, one thing I do is I change my clothes immediately upon coming home. I take my boots off. I leave them outside. I change my clothes right away. And, uh, and that's just a kind of an extra step that I take. Now, that's something I was in the habit of doing anyway because I'm routinely in, in contact with yeah. the things yeah. I don't want my kids hugging. So I, I, you know, I'll change my clothes as soon as I get home. And that's that's a thing you can do. But recognizing where your points of exposure are and then uh, focusing your, of, your efforts to just kind of explain
0: what that. that means about where your points of exposure are. I think you know, people don't understand what that means. And when you talk about you know, kind of layman's terms, you're talking to that, you know, first private. You're talking first day. Hey, everything is a threat. What, what should I actually be concerned about? How do you look at it? And, and how do you prioritize the things that we're doing? I think there is, you know, obviously everyone could go out in hazmat suits all the time. But what is the, you know, level of priority? What is the most important thing people can be doing from a, you know, cleaning up after themselves or, or cleaning up their space or managing their workspace or their home and things like that? What, what's that first thing you do? If you could do nothing else. First thing you do. Uh,
1: so the first thing I do is is constant sanitation of my hands. Okay. Your your hands are the mechanism by which you interact with the world. They're going to come in contact with the most flat horizontal surfaces where that that pathogen could come to rest. Mm-hmm. So maintaining that. I've also uh, uh, started to I, I never realized before this how itchy my face was, <laughs> and uh, and only because now I can't you know just unconsciously itch my face, I've realized how often I was in the habit of touching my face.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, and so that's one of your primary routes. Obviously, the proximity when you're out in, in public with people and, and you are forced into doing that. So there's really three major places that I, I can't see anybody being able to avoid right now. One is getting fuel for your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Two is getting uh, food for your family. And then three, for, for the folks that are still uh, fortunate enough to be going to work every day, uh, your workplace. That's mm-hmm. you know a, a pretty big one. So in my workplace, we maintain distance. We actually have been provided uh, masks that we are to wear uh, when we're when we're in our office together. Most of our non-essential staff has been sent home uh, to work from home. But our operations staff, the people who are going out and cleaning up every day, cannot avoid coming in. So we wear masks. We stay as far apart from each other as we need to. And then we just remain vigilant and remain aware. You know, you limit the contact with uh, unfortunately, with with everyone that you can avoid limiting contact with, mm-hmm. um, for the time being, and not just for yourself, but for your coworkers. Uh, you know, we're a very we're a very close knit team here, and we work together very well. And we don't want to get each other sick. You know, the, yep. the The range of of age and health uh, in our office is the same as the general population. We've mm-hmm. got some people who who would do. Uh, would probably do better than others if they mm-hmm. if they came into contact with. So we we protect each other, and I think that's something that everybody can do. Yeah.
0: Well, I really appreciate you know that as a, as an idea and, and and things that people can be doing. Can you talk a little bit about what the what it's like going to businesses you know that are open who are saying hey we need to be cleaned we need to be doing those kind of things. What is a what's a typical rotation? Our, our business is saying we want to be cleaned once a week. You know. Is it just so, after an exposure? Like, what, what kind of how what's that cadence look like these days?
1: So, for for certain businesses,
0: um, you know, we have a
1: lot of manufacturing in Detroit, mm-hmm. and those sort of businesses, some of them support essential functions, and so they are they are in operation uh, at that capacity, uh, regardless of of how intense this thing this thing gets, because they need to be right along with the rest of us. Uh, for places like that, uh, routine cleaning is is a, a, a good idea. That is a, a responsible measure to take. You get clean break points where you know that the commonly uh, contacted surfaces in your facility are, are are safe. And doing that on a, a weekly basis gives you the opportunity to, to you know, bring everybody in and say, okay, you're starting fresh in this workspace. Uh, other places have... Uh, uh, called us in when they've had a, a confirmed case or even a suspected case. Mm-hmm. And in all three of those cases, we're going to come in and we are going to proceed in the, the same way. We're going to proceed with the, the highest level of PPE and the greatest regard for everyone's safety and the, the disposal of, of that resultant material, um, because that's best practice. Uh, I think for, for, for persons to call us when they've had a, a confirmed case is, a, is, you know, a social responsibility. Right. And for the folks that, that call us to do weekly work, I I, I think that is is really admirable.
0: Well, that's really good to hear. And so as we look out and we're looking um, through these kind of things, do you expect um, as you know some of these manufacturing companies as some of you know business starts to come back to work, do you expect people to be doing more regular cleanings? Right. So if you have three lines running at your plant, are you going to see you know, them stopping between each line to run a fresh cleaning. Like what kind of what kind of processes from your experiences make sense for people, you know, as we talk about, you know, kind of the everybody going to curbside delivery. And so, but there still will be employees in that facility working back and forth. Like what kind of things should individual employees or, or people who are used to cleaning their own facility, small business owners, be trying to do so that they can avoid um, exposure or thinking about cadence? like from kind of pro tips, what should they be doing?
1: So we we will routinely um, offer our experts uh, to, to conduct training for facility personnel in the businesses that they typically run uh, that that have a hazardous material component to them. And uh, and that that's something that they, they can start doing. The difference between our personnel and their personnel is only ever going to be training and experience. Mm-hmm. We can provide the training and the current health crisis is providing the experience. <laughs> So the 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 idea that routine cleaning beyond just what makes a room smell good or what Mm -hmm. what makes it look good, um, to actually what makes it a healthier environment for for all of us to work in is I think a priority that's going to come out of this because as we have all heard, you know we could likely be dealing with this for years and and whatever the next pathogen will will also come pass through, and so the idea that we need to put more of a focus on our our
0: our workplace hygiene.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a value that will
0: persist. Well, I'm excited about that. And I, I appreciate, you know, you kind of sharing some of your years of experience on, on some of these kind of things. Uh, I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit. Um, sure. I think, was it, I guess a month ago now you were down in uh, Southwest Detroit at, um, at a park doing a cleanup. Do you want to tell everybody how we, we got interested and, and how you were able to, you know, make a real difference in, in the city on that thing?
1: yeah so i was I had attended the
0: uh, uh, the uh, an all
1: hazards conference in uh, in Traverse city and um, it's a pretty decent drive from here and I got to thinking about uh, after experiencing that community um, how we could get more involved in ours uh the, the The folks that were presenting up there really impressed some things on me and they're they're all um, you know established first responders and, and, and hazard, uh, hazard experts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they spoke so passionately about the work that they did and the communities that they touched and, and, and we're very proud of it and proud of each other. And so I got to thinking, you know, how can we build that down here? Mm -hmm. Uh, because I, I, you know, we, we opened this shop a year ago and we're still trying to, to get connected, but all of our personnel grew up here. Mm -hmm. So one place that immediately stuck out to me was our, our scale set and the ability to volunteer. I don't know anybody that's ever gone and volunteered and and thought afterwards. Well, that was, that was an unfulfilling experience (laughs) because because it, it it really leaves you feeling like you've done something. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to attach that feeling to how my employees feel about the job that they do, because I believe very strongly in the job that they do and the public good that it represents mm-hmm. in its own right. And I wanted to kind of translate that to to some of who they are. So I reached out to you and I asked you how, how we could get involved and, and you put me in contact with a wonderful group of people who uh, we, we didn't all know what it was going to look like at first. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how we were going to define it, what we were going to be able to do and what we weren't going to be able to do and through that process and just talking and kind of grinding it out together we we narrowed in on the riverside park and that was precisely the type of opportunity i was looking for
0: and a place kind of get perspective on riverside park riverside park is a, a place that is unsafe to uh use and play in but is right off the river you know kind of in the shadow of, of the uh, ambassador bridge and, and has had its share of issues but has big signs that say do not approach danger, you know, like things like that, things that. You don't want to see at a park and, uh, they have big plans for, you know, reopening and some reimagining and all kinds of things, but, uh, they you know, it has hazardous waste and, you know, had to be cleaned up and that's what you guys special in and were just able to come out and do.
1: Yeah. So for our guys, um, the, the, the park is, is heavily impacted and has been closed since 2012. But it's a very meaningful park to the city. It's a very meaningful park to the people who who helped me put this together. But it also has a a trash problem that many parks have, and especially one that can't be regularly serviced. That trash is regularly in contact with contaminated soil and therefore itself needs to be considered a contaminated waste. We were able to translate the training and expertise that these, these techs already have into that volunteer opportunity so they got to they got to go out there and volunteer in a way that that regular volunteers would not be able to and that to me held some special meaning the the training that's just part of who they are gave them an opportunity to give back to the community in a way that only they could Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so we were able to go out there and do that successfully and and there's a there's a follow-on phase to that uh the next phase of the program and we're going to go out we're going to clean that up as soon as we're able to you know Go out and do things like that again. Uh, I've got some ideas in the meantime of what we can do and leverage that same expertise uh, to to benefit people in a very concrete way. You know, during this current health crisis, but uh, but after that, there's there's several follow-on projects very similar to it across the city. The city of Detroit has a a long history of uh, you know of coming across contaminants, and and so there's there's plenty of places where that specific expertise and this volunteer program that you and I have developed to, to, to do some good, yeah. some, some regularly scheduled good. Yeah. I like the sound of that.
0: No, I mean, I think it's great. And, and I think it's also just good news, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things that people are missing right now. Everyone's like, when are we ever gonna be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel? And, and I think, you know, knowing that there are folks like yourself and, and companies like yours that are out who have been training for this and are doing the work and scaling up and doing those kind of things to move the needle forward and make sure that we get back safe and, and all those kind of things. Are there any training resources that you would recommend people to look at like some free stuff that they could go out and do or, or learn about that would help them be better situated to mitigate their exposure or better understand ways that they should be cleaning up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the first place to go for guidance on, on what you can do at home are, are, are the, the governmental organizations that are already in place to give that guidance to the CDC. They give out the most practically applicable guidance that you'll find. Uh, the, the, the next thing is the, the way we operate on, on cleanliness. We're all kind of aware of what is clean and unclean in, in our interactive environment. And all you have to do in a situation like this is follow through on those gut instincts with regard to your contact surfaces, the proximity to other people. And and instead of thinking about it and being like, well, maybe that wasn't the healthiest thing to do, actually do it. You yeah. know, follow through distance, wash your hands. I know I was not, you know, I, I do a dirty job and I should wash my hands a lot more often than I do. Well, I, I sure do now. And that's the, that's the sort of thing you got to do.
0: Yeah, I've been washing my hands so much I had to buy... Um more lotion so I have like lotion everywhere because my hands were so dry and it's like I lotion at every chair you know right by all the sinks it's like lotion everywhere and
1: yeah with my my kids I make them wash their hands so often that I've also got to have a little container of lotion by the door so they get their little hands every time they go out but there's a lot of changes uh, you know in our daily lives as a result of this thing some of them good and some of them bad um, I think the way that people have learned to connect remotely has been fantastic, and the way that people have now started to turn their attention to to their lived environment and our shared experience in it has been has been really really encouraging. So I, I'm, I'm I'm it's a mixed
0: bag. I know there's a lot of suffering going on, but there are some good news stories to find in it. Like you said, yeah, and and I think those are things that we've absolutely got to focus on. you know being a Detroiter, where our community has been so. Uh, hard hit, it's been really important, I think, to talk about the good things that are going on, because every day there are people who are, you know, putting on their boots in the morning and going out and and doing the work necessary to make sure we get through this. Uh, My best friend's a pastor, and we were talking uh, just last night about, you know, the differences and the changes in grieving and and how you do kind of all these kind of things. And we're in a very different world, and we're going to live in a different world. So now is our opportunity to decide what that world is going to be and how we come out of it so you know thanks for coming on thanks for doing those kind of things i want to try and make sure we end on you know something fun so are you doing anything fun this weekend are you doing something that uh will keep you keep your mental health going i i've been trying yeah, to tell me. The,
1: one of those upsides that we talked about was the uh the, the the limiting of distractions from the time that i spend with my family uh me and my kids have never caught so many fish in our lives <laughs> 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 We're able to, uh, we, we spend a lot of time just interacting with one another. and
0: What, I do, think you do? That is probably what do you the catch reason. these days? What's that? What do you catch these days? What are you fishing for?
1: So we've got a retention pond immediately adjacent to our home. Oh. that is, is just to drain the, you know, the, the pad that the community is built on. Uh, but we've got, we've got uh, largemouth bass, channel catfish, and uh, bluegill and sunfish in there. And for little kids, a, a bluegill might as well be the great white whale. Wow. So as a, a fresh excitement every time we catch them.
0: That's crazy. I've never, uh, I've never been fishing, so maybe I'll have to come check you out on one of those days. Um, oh, my goodness.
1: We'll set you up a pole six feet away.
0: Yeah, man, that sounds great. Uh, my daughter is really into Moana, and so at least every day she comes to me and she says, Daddy, you are Maui and I am Moana. Get in my boat. And I'm like, all right, babe, where, where are we going? She's like, we're going outside. It's like, okay, cool, you know. <laughs> I sure appreciate you having me on, Adam. Thanks, Bill. This has been the We Can Do Better podcast with Senator Adam O'Leary. Thank you for listening to our guests as we talked about how we can do better.